continue, make sure you subscribe and follow to Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens. So that's all I got to say. This really is our third host. You really should be our host. (laughs) It's half the time we forget to say that. (laughs) We need Mason. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens, our podcast where we talk feminism and pop culture. I'm Nellie. And I'm Paige. This week, we are diving into one of my favorite TV shows, Schitt's Creek. This Canadian TV show aired in 2015 and follows a family that lost their wealth and was forced to relocate to Schitt's Creek, a tiny town in the middle of nowhere that they had originally purchased as a joke. It was created by father-son duo Eugene and Dan Levy and has taken the internet and Emmy Awards by storm. I am so excited to introduce our guest for the week, Mason Thomas. Mason and I went to high school together. Um, Technically, we went to middle school together, too. Um, In eighth grade, we went to the winter dance. Um, We were show choir dance partners our senior year. And also we dated for three months. Um, (laughs) The drama. (laughs) I actually mentioned him in our um, To All the Boys I Love Before podcast. Don't know if you remembered a little Easter egg. But um, when I was saying how me and my high school boyfriend broke up for college um, and it ended up being amazing because now we're still close friends. Here we are. And now you all get to meet him. Mason. Mason recently graduated from Lipscomb University with a degree in strategic communications and a minor in German. Yeah, but I barely remember it. That's okay. Maybe it will make you say something in German. Sorry, Paige. (laughs) (laughs) And he currently lives in Nashville with literally all of our friends. Um, He is a wannabe SNL cast member and an excellent musician. He's best friends with Cameron from our Get Out episode, and he plays bass in the band Headcase. That has some music on the way, so keep your eyes peeled. Go follow them on Spotify as well. And we just wanted to say welcome, Mason. Thank you for having me. feels great. Glad to be here. Love Shits Creek, and it's made my life a lot better recently. <laughs> Retweet. Mason, no worries if you didn't, but I was wondering if you listened to the to all to our to all the boys episode, considering you were like a topic in it. Um, yeah, I'm a little conceited, so of course I, I listened to it <laughs> to hear my own name, even though she didn't mention it. Well, what I was gonna say, oh yeah, my ex boyfriend Mason. We don't yeah, hear exactly. name drop on. Well, the also pod. we didn't know that you were gonna come on yet. We literally finished recording, and Pete was like, maybe Mason would come on the pod, and I was like, yeah, oh, like gosh, mentioning yeah. your name. You <laughs> ask earlier. I was like, I have had Cameron on. I could have Mason on. And fans, I just realized, I didn't realize this. I realized this earlier today. Mason is our first straight white man guest. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I don't feel, I don't feel deserving of that. You know, I'm glad it took us 38 episodes to get here. (laughs) Yeah. No sooner. Mason, why did you choose Schitt's Creek and uh, what makes it worthy of feminist analysis um first off Schitt's Creek has just become like my favorite show ever I think I I mean I really think it's it's at least in the top three 
Um, and I just love whenever a show can really grab me in uh, and, and hold me because of just the character development they have for each person individually and the way that influences them as a collective. Um, and then why I think it's worthy of a feminist analysis. Um, I think though, even though they might reach on some kind of like female stereotypes every once in a while, I think they like disprove those through the way each woman develops in the show. And also I love how much the women interact through the jazz gals and things like that. Um, so I think it'd just be interesting to discuss. Sweet. I'm excited. Um, so I guess kind of going off what you just said, Mason, I'd love to dive into some of these female characters, if that's okay. Yes. Um, and my personal, well, I don't know. I love all of the characters so much, but I, I would love to dive into Alexis because I read I think I just want to like, I don't really have a question about this, but I just want to like talk about her as a whole. And I watched a video actually today of her being interviewed and talking about kind of her character development and how she's, she was described as a subversive feminist and basically how like, I guess in that sense, it means like she, we don't really expect her to have this kind of feminist arc in her character development. So I'd love Mm -hmm. to hear just like, Mason and Pete, y'all's thoughts on that. Um, yeah. I know I have my thoughts, but let's talk Alexis. <laughs> oh my gosh. David. Love oh, that journey David. for you. I love, <laughs> I feel like I, we're going to get into this later. So maybe I'll say, should I save my impression for when we do yes. impressions? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I do yeah. a good Alexis. I will not be useful in the impression power outer for the I, I disagree. I, I think you've think. got something that you're just. Thank you, Mason. That's so kind. <laughs> you could like be. Oh my gosh, you nothing you would probably be good at. Um, I might be offended by whatever you no, said. Oh my god! No, I'm just wait, Jocelyn, Please. Ronnie, Jocelyn, Jocelyn. Oh. <laughs> I just think for a silly laugh, I love it. Yeah, I have, have a silly with, laugh. So if you have just... to deal with so many like weird people, like Jocelyn has to. Yeah, I love Jocelyn. Anyway, Alexis. Okay. <laughs> anyway, oh, oh my god. Okay, um, Alexis. So I watched this show in quarantine when I was um depressed because Swanee got canceled, and I really loved my college experience as you all probably know. So like, you know, some of the, like the first season, it wasn't hard to watch per se, but like, you know, it was kind of, it was definitely not as good as like its later seasons. And I was also like, just like watching episode after episode. So I feel like, and I haven't rewatched it again. I'm sorry, please don't come for me, Nellie and Mason, because I know y'all are big, big fans, but I do love it. So I can't really like speak too much on her in the beginning of the show, besides the fact that she was like silly and like, you know, dating, um, Mutt, is that his name? Mutt? Yes. Thank you. And, um, she was just like a really silly character, but like, I do remember kind of when the significance of her, like empowerment shifted when she gets I don't know if she gets her driver's license and then she goes to school cue Olivia Rodrigo cue uh, driver's license absolutely Um, I literally was like is she gonna sing it I don't know I'm waiting 
Okay. Um, she gets her driver's license. She goes. She goes back to. She goes back to high school. Um, she goes to community college. Um, what else? She like starts her own PR firm, and then really like I think the most significant um turn of her character was the re- relationship maturity she showcased with Ted at first when like he's dating a new girl and like she's in love with him but she keeps it to herself because like she's not this petty little girl that she used to be and then ultimately spoiler alert when she and Ted break up I was tears were streaming down my face like I yes. did not think that I could be so emotional I'm like tearing up thinking about it oh my gosh um like it was so touching and so real and mm-hmm. like complete 180 of when she was joking at the first season about like being kidnapped by a Saudi prince. I love her like random. The, yeah. Dan Levy talked about how that was like his favorite thing to write. Like just like the one liners of some faraway so country and like circumstance that she was She's in. Like, one time when I was kidnapped by Somalian pirates, no big deal. Like, <laughs> It was when I was on a sailboat with Antonio Banderas or something, you know? Yeah, literally. Um, no, I agree that that breakup scene is really powerful. And I feel like it's different from, I don't know. I guess this kind of goes back to some of the like recent conversation, even going back to like the two, all the boys I left before conversation that we've had, but like thinking about, I think it's helpful to have, representation of like people just communicating well like I just think that's very positive and something they talk about in the best wishes warmest regards Schitt's Creek documentary is how they're like they didn't break up because they fell out of love it was because of their own personal growth and I think that's so special like we don't have that kind of representation I think in terms of breakups yeah, and no matter the opinion on La La Land, it's literally like the the same thing of like they both had to separate in order to do what they you know would achieve, and so yeah, yeah. I loved the ending of it. It was great. Yeah, Mason, what do you think about like Alexis's growth as a whole? Because I know I just talked about it, but I don't know. Did you see a different side of it? Did you see more like points of feminism? Um, I think one of her strongest traits was that no matter how like down she may get herself, like depending what situation was around her, she was always like true to herself no matter what. And like her, her ability to like keep her personality, but also learn how to adapt that to a small town and then eventually just triumph and find all this success, um, and get to the PR I think was uh, something that was just good to see represented on screen rather than just having this typical character of this, oh, she's a super rich girl and really pretty and everybody loves her and all this and she gets what she wants, but um, she, she got what she wanted in that she, you know, succeeded herself. Yeah. Yeah, That's she arrived. Really yeah, absolutely. She arrives to Schitt's Creek, I feel like being like, okay, how can I get out of here as soon as possible? Like, where are my friends? I need to go with Stavros and like, <laughs> like get with him so that, and she's completely dependent on like men and money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she becomes this, like, I think it all, again, like her relationship with men is continually still a factor and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I do mm-hmm. think 
like she gets the, the job working um at the vet and then she continues to kind of like you said like doing her PR work and then event like by the end spoilers by the end she uh is moving to New York on her own and I think that like that that character arc is huge like she goes from being like her own driven independent person who isn't defined by others and I think that that is not I I think especially when you think about a character that was based off of Mm, that who is based off of like the Kardashians, Kardashians. <laughs> I was gonna be like no shade to the Kardashians but also maybe a little bit shade maybe a little also bit. but anyway yeah I think it's a big deal that a character that was kind of like modeled off of the Kardashians Paris Hilton kind of was able to go to the like lengths that she did yeah and Mason I think your point about her never changing who she truly is yeah. is so true because it's like you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm trying to think of like, I can't think of an actual example, but like city girl moves to the country and has to adapt. And by the end of it, she can milk a cow just as good as everyone else. Oh, it's like cowbells, the Disney, yes, the, the Disney Channel original movie. Cowbells, like milk a cow. Horrible movie. You're like, prove your work ethic, bye. But like that never happened to Alexis. She only changed like the immature side of her but like she never lost her femininity and she never lost like you know the fact that she was a girly girl which like I love that because I'm a girly girl well and she learned that to like get the things that she loved about her life like the the material things in order to be able to have those which I think there's nothing wrong with wanting those things like to a certain extent and in order to get them she realized she was like oh like I need to like make some money (laughs) like I need to be able (laughs) to like do this for myself a little bit okay so um when thinking about questions and kind of piggybacking off of the question we just talked about about Alexis's character development I thought Johnny Rose is a very interesting character. And at first, he's the most boring. No offense. Um, <laughs> if he's listening, Johnny Rose. Like, he, like, Mora has the accent and the costumes and the hair, and Alexis and David, they're just like icons. We all know this. And then we just got this, like, Johnny Rose. Like, what is so important about him? But as I watched it, you know, I always this is like sad that I expected this, but I always expected him to, you know, when Mora had a success in acting, he was so excited for her. He a hundred percent like backed everything she did. Um, when David and Patrick started dating, he was so happy for them. He was excited when they got engaged. He was very proud of Alexis when she went to high school, college, started her own firm. He was just such a good father and husband. And I was, I kept waiting. I kept waiting for him to like get jealous of Mora or like get mad at David for not, I don't know. I mean, I kind of. Being out. straight? No, I was going to talk about the baseball scene. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, talk about, I'll talk about that. He basically always, he supported his wife and his like family members and never like really question them for things oftentimes straight dads I feel like would question their wife or their gay son or their daughter um so I really didn't even notice this also until like thinking about the show critically and like thinking of a question to ask so did y'all ever notice this when watching it and then 
also piggybacking off of that I've said piggybacking too many times (laughs) um why do you think it's important for like a so-called the patriarch of a family to act like Johnny Rose does I love Johnny. I, I kind of liked him from the beginning. I don't know if it was just like the Eugene Levy dry humor. He's always, had. I'm sorry. I called him boring then. Oh no, it's fine. I mean, he's a different he's, kind of character. He's a different kind of character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like almost the, the backbone of it all, but in a healthy way, not in like a overreaching, like, Hey, you need to do this or this. Like I even think of silly moments where, you know, David was like getting, ordering cream from France when they had no money. And he's like, you know, you got to pay for that. Right. And then, it's a write off. <laughs> yeah. It's a write off. Yeah. The whole write off thing. Um, but yeah, I think his, the way he supports is a, an example of how any father should act. And even I, we need to bring up also how he's basically like Stevie's basically his adopted daughter. Like that is such a sweet relationship. Um, the best stop wait i never noticed that it's like yeah yeah pete i think this is an interesting point you bring up i don't know that i've ever thought about it maybe because my dad like is similar to john like my dad is very similar to johnny rose and shout out dad if you're listening (laughs) um he like is similar in the sense that he definitely will still like offer advice (laughs) like i think johnny rose does still do some kind of these quote-unquote typical dad things where he he is quick to be like hey like you that's not what a write-off is or um I don't know just when Alexis is trying to kind of break into the business he's like a little bit um I think he he tries to kind of tell her how she should go about doing things same with with Stevie of course um when when she inherits the motel and things like that like you definitely see that kind of fatherly um advice come out and you do see like a little glimmer of him like a little glimmer of jealousy with Moira when Mm -hmm. there's that whole um town council like election thing and but he like really gets over it very quickly and does end up supporting her so I do think like I mean I think it's just I don't know we can applaud him for like being wonderful and being outside the norm but it also is just kind of like how it's things should be which I think this show does a really good job about it's not making a commentary on these things it's just like giving an example of how things should be which I think this is this is one of those times yes the guy who plays uh Ray um he mentioned an article that said Schitt's Creek has created a world better than we live in so to kind of go off of that, I mean, that's kind of a, in a yeah. way, at least the way people are treated in, in that, like, you're not judged by what you identify as or, you know, what you look like or anything, but just more so if you're, you know, a good part of the community or not. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I agree that I feel like his relationship with Stevie is so special. And so I'm glad you brought that up, Mason. I love that. Um, So I was like looking at some articles about the show and it was kind of tough to find some because I think it's so lighthearted. Not a lot of people think about it critically and like analyze it like we've done with Mean Girls and um, Legally Blonde. There's such a a big wave of stands. So it's like hard to find like actual critique sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's also sometimes tough with like comedy to really kind of make a stance 
if that makes sense unless it's like super satirical which I don't think Schitt's Creek is I think Mm -hmm. it's more just like goofy at times yeah but I found this really good article um called Schitt's Creek the nine Emmys winning series rattling patriarchy with comedy and um basically like one of the points that the author makes is that um it says quote but the most delightful thing about Chits Creek is that it establishes a space free from toxic masculinity end quote and that kind of just like blew my mind because it's so true like you think about all the men that live in this town none of them first off are just like insane misogynists like you know Roland says some cringy things and is disgusting um but it's not like you know no at, at no point did any of the characters just like reek of misogyny like we know so many men can and so that kind of what is what made it make sense why Johnny Rose like is the way he is and how kind of everything follows suit from there and I also think like Ted is a really good example of this because he's this sweet soft man who's a veterinarian and in the first you know two seasons he's like hopelessly in love with Alexis and she crushes his little heart mm, sad oh. mm. Mm. and but then like he gets really you know muscular and buys a motorcycle and Ooh. stuff um Ooh, but he's baby. Still, he is still that sweet sensitive man that we all like loved in the first two seasons um and then we just continue to grow to love him even more through that and like I think he is a good representation of like a man who's very confident in himself, but doesn't give in to toxic masculinity, thinking he needs to like, like all the stuff. And he's in touch and with it, his emotions too, which is yes. a really good example. And probably the most close to a toxic masculinity man is Patrick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nellie's thinking? Nellie's thinking? No, yeah, I agree. And he's the closest. I know we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of the... Mm-hmm queer representation in the show but he's the closest thing that we see of kind of any potential internalized homophobia yeah um even though that those words aren't necessarily like used ever um like we so in that sense like you can see the way that he's internalized the kind of heteronormative patriarchy um yeah absolutely and And i do think it's funny because when you said like no misogyny I agree with you and it's funny because the one time I feel like there is like a blatant massage well I feel like there are a few misogynists but it's anyone who like comes in so it's like Johnny and Moira's friends who come in right. and are kind of douchey or like that guy who was gonna buy the town and was like being gross to Jocelyn and then died at the oh, dinner table yeah. which I'm like did you die Sucks. because you brought patriarchy Karma, into the yeah, town sorry. like <laughs> So um, that's why I was like, oh my God, that's funny. Cause like the people that I consider to be the representation of misogyny are, they have, they get what's coming to them. They either die or like get chewed out basically. Yeah. Not for those things, but like when you think about it in this lens, you're like, hmm. Yeah. It's usually the elitists that show up in the show that are, end up being most toxic. So that's like yeah. another, I feel like that's an under, like a underlying message they put in there too you know it's like just because you got all this money and fame doesn't mean that you're a good person inherently and so the roses having to experience that firsthand 
um, I think it's just a great display of that. Yeah. And I think they also realized that so many of their relationships were just solely based yes. off money. And now they have the opportunity to like build genuine friendships with people yeah, and relationships me. with each other, which is so huge. Right. Like their me, family. I feel like a big turning point in uh, David's character specifically is when I don't, I don't, I don't remember if it's Moira who tells him, but like his whole art exhibit or gallery thing was all people were making fun of it or I can't remember the exact plot line of it. Um, but that was really a moment where he realized he like, it was starting to click with him. He's like, Oh, the people around me care more about me than the people who have all this status that I just want to be around because I want to hold that same, same status. Yeah. And Alexis has that kind of same reality check when like her boyfriend breaks up with her yeah. and all of her friends are like, yeah, no, actually we don't want you to come to wherever they are. <laughs> Yeah. Who are other yeah. folks we want to tackle? Patrick and Stevie would be my vote. Sweet. Mason, I feel like you should talk about Stevie first and then Patrick so that we can um, dive segue. Dive, yes, I, I think that's a good call. Segways aren't our strengths, but good job, Pate. That was nice. Hey, hey y'all, y'all are learning to segue, though. I mean, 38 episodes. Congratulations. Just... Thank you. Been almost out of for a year. Are the quarantine queens. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, we're gonna have like a one year. I know. What if we, we had? Should... What should we do for a one year? We should have like segments and shit. Anyway. Okay. So okay. Stevie. Stevie, how has she? How did she change throughout like the show? Would you say? I or think... just like her representation as a character as a whole, too? Yeah. Um... You know, she's kind of presented as just brutally honest, which is, you know, I love, I love that in anyone because I just feel they're always the most trustworthy usually. Um, so that was just kind of brings her humor to the table, right? Um, but then once, you know, people ask her questions about herself or her life and she's very reserved and, you know, just, uh, I don't, I don't want to bring that up or I don't want to, don't, I don't know what I want to do with my life. That kind of, so I guess she I haven't been able to like pinpoint exactly what she represents other than like someone who's just kind of got a harder outer shell and is still trying to figure out who they want to be um, and that I think uh, accomplishes at the end that she's like oh I'm a badass businesswoman I'm do, I'm gonna run this shit um, and I, that my favorite scene of hers is when she's singing in the in the musical and just nails it and I had tears and yes, that's where I'll stop and let you guys talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. What I love most about Stevie from the very beginning, is just like how unapologetic she is, but then how you see kind of these elements of her, I don't know, her insecurities and her, like, she's the sort of like, like, I think like you just, said mason like she ends up being this big like awesome badass bin- yeah. businesswoman and i'm sure like deep down she had that ambition but i feel mm-hmm. like she doesn't really embrace her ambition and so i don't know i just i i think i i, I think we get like we see her soften a little bit yes, but do. all yeah which i think is like not necessary but just like so special to see that journey i think um I don't know, right. Pete, what, Pete, what are your thoughts? I really could not get a good understanding of Stevie at first. 
Um, I hate to say that, like, I didn't vibe with her. I didn't like her at first because she's a beautiful and wonderful character. But I will admit, like, she is, like, I don't know. I feel like in real life, I would, like, try way too hard to get her to like me because I am a people pleaser. And she just seems like she's very, like you just said, she's so confident in like who she is as a person and unapologetic. I, and I was like, I don't know. It it was just, it was also very like different from the roses, obviously. And I think that's a huge point is to see like their worlds apart. Um, but then at the same time, they also become best friends. Um, I was really uncomfortable when she and David hooked up because I was like, y'all are besties. What are you doing? And I was like, I really just hope this doesn't ruin their friendship because I was like, really, I was loving their friendship. Um, and then, you know, they smooch. And I was just like, mm, no, bestie, don't do that. Um, I want to start calling people bestie. That's, you know, how I call people queen. Yes. I, I love the bestie like, trend. Bestie. Bestie, don't, come on. Come on, bestie. Julie, you Kayla, know and I call each other bestie. We're like so true, well, bestie. Is it is it almost like a synonym for sweetie for you? Almost, you know, just sweetie. a little less sweetie. Come on. It's kind of like plain. I, I never call people sweetie. I call people queen. Oh, I was not particularly saying you, but you know how, how some uh, some people decide well, to say sweetie. Like bestie, the greater bestie you. is now like, I was like thinking about this the other day. Like, it's like sister. What if I like oh, I love call it. someone a king and they're like, I'm like I'm gender queen. neutral, non-binary, yeah, non-binary, and I was like, oh, that's a good bestie point. is a gender bestie. neutral term. So yeah, I'm gonna start using it. I yeah. found that I say folks a lot in an attempt to be gender neutral. That's oh, not I'll be cute. like, what do folks think about this? Yeah, I've got a bad, I got a bad habit of doing the guys thing, so I gotta work. You could just that. say y'all. I say y'all, and I'm from male. Massachusetts. I say you guys a lot because Kelly's from Chicago. Kelly's my girlfriend. No mm. Shout out Kelly. Shout we, out Kelly. Shout we out Dan. Dan Kelly harder than we've ever stand anyone else. We love Kelly. Well, is Kelly yes. gonna come on the pod then? should love to yeah she's she's she i almost said she's a queen she's a bestie so true bestie so true bestie um the whole point of this was to talk about stevie and i feel like i'm not answering the question justice because i really don't know like not how i feel about her because i love stevie and like she her and johnny rose's relationship is so beautiful oh love it um and her and David's friendship is also very beautiful. Oh, no, sorry. I well, I just, like, I don't want to repeat what y'all have said, but, like, the fact yeah. that she was, like, this really sassy, sarcastic, like, girl that hated her life in the beginning. And then at the end, she's, like, you know, we see her get emotional. We see mm-hmm. her care about things. We see her realize, like, her true passion and calling. Like, I, you know, that probably resonated to me a lot because yeah. I had graduated college and didn't have a job. So like, I really, you know, I like didn't know how to feel about her at first and ended up just like loving her so much. That's how I was too. Yeah. What I think is so cool about the show, and I guess, no, I don't think we've said this, but I think it's so interesting that it's set in like a small town and no one's like a carbon copy of another person. Like everyone is so... Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just genius writing on on Dan Levy's part is that the like each character has such unique qualities that 
I don't know, like creates this really interesting dynamic that makes an incredibly unique show. So I think Stevie's an example of that. We want to talk about Patrick? Of course. Got it. I'm always ready to talk about so Patrick Daddy Patrick. Season, Daddy, Zaddy Patrick. Daddy Patrick. <laughs> so Patrick comes in season two, yeah? Yeah, he does. Okay. We meet Patrick in the. Is it really season two? I'm looking it up. I think so, or late season or, one. No, it's not season. It's two or three. I think, I think two, it was though. three. I think it was I think, three. I can't remember. I'm looking. I'm looking. On Either Shins way, he mentions Patrick the- first appears in season three when David establishes his new apothecary. Oh, I yeah. guess I really just flew through season one and two so quickly that it felt like he was in season two. I just binged it all on like in the record yeah, time. Yeah, so. right. Same. Um, it all blends together. It's all the same to me. <laughs> um, but yes, like you said, Pete, we meet him when he um is. David's kind of business partner, more or less, for mm-hmm. the apothecary. But you could tell from the beginning, though he he had a liking for David. I could mm-hmm. I could tell. I just knew something was going on. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we mentioned earlier about how he, out of all the characters, he maybe has like a little glimmer of you know heteronormative culture just kind of seared into him, and I guess it just kind of goes into. Um, his his journey uh, as a gay man and coming to terms with coming out so let's unpack that yeah i feel like um his expectation of i don't know if it's after no it's it's not after they're already engaged is it is it that his parents come into the fold Oh, no, no, I it's think, before then. Well, I think it, it's shaking your head. It technically, no, I think it technically. It's not. It's not after. It's definitely before. Before. Yeah, it's like right before he wants to propose, right? Or yeah, which the proposal like. Oh. Fun. Well, I laughed. I, I cried. Everything. I yeah. All. Of it. I maybe we're just confusing it because he was Patrick was engaged before, so we're like to a woman. Yes. yes. Yeah. He's engaged to a woman before. And then it still took him a long time to come out to his parents because he was afraid of what their reaction would be, especially after being engaged to a woman, which mm-hmm. that episode itself is just powerful. It's powerful because also they like know. Yeah. Well, they know, I guess, because David like goes and introduces yeah. himself and it's very <laughs> much like either we're really, really good friends or like we kiss. And right. so it's like... And they're just like, why doesn't he want to tell us? Like, that's their reaction. That was a beautiful reaction. And like, obviously, I can't say much that because I'm not gay and haven't had the experience. But I feel like that's at least some sort of model of how parents could look to that and be like, okay, I should be just not giving a fuck what my child, who my child is, you know? So, (sighs) oh. Yeah. I'm getting the emotions all crawling back from that episode again and now I'm gonna mute myself <laughs> <laughs> it is so powerful and I feel like it does um, I feel like this is a good way for us to dive into kind of the conversation about queer representation as a whole but I feel like this while there's definitely like internalized homophobia present like we don't ever really necessarily see that I don't know, example of homophobia mm-hmm. present and what, again, 
I keep referencing this documentary, but I've literally watched, like the Shit's Creek so documentary, but it's so good. Recommend everyone watch. Please watch. Um, I've seen it like four times and I cry every time. But they just talk about how I think so many shows with queer representation, like that representation representation comes with like really tough conversations and usually a lot of hardship and tragedy. And in the case of Shit's Creek, like there's just like, it's like an example of, again, what could be and, and kind of an ideal scenario. And I think while there's definitely some internalized homophobia present with Patrick and this like potential homophobia with his parents, even though that's really not the case. Um, I mean, they probably still have plenty to learn about what it's like to have a gay son, but mm. I think it, it is just like an example of what could be still. It's like not I think oftentimes reactions are not positive because there's not examples of positive reactions from what I like. I mean, obviously that's not always the case. Like homophobia is oftentimes actually present and I don't want to discount that experience, but I think it's helpful to have, I imagine again, this is not a community that I speak for, but I, or an identity that I have, but I imagine that it's helpful. And from, from watching the documentary and hearing folks speak about this, like, I just do think it is helpful to have that representation in terms of just positivity surrounding like romantic relationships just like in general but especially for the sake of Mm -hmm. a queer relationship um did y'all have any other thoughts on kind of like this show being free from homophobia and, and its representation well I think like a very powerful instance from me and I know we've touched on it but it's almost disheartening to think that when Patrick's parents showed up I think we were all expecting, you know, the reaction to be shock, disgust, like things that we have seen before on the screen. Um, And so when that wasn't the case, that was so touching to me. Like I, you know, of course got emotional because like when you see their reaction, you realize that it has been lacking in like, in TV and like movies and in comedy because I think oftentimes like marginalized people are have been the butt of the joke for like centuries and one of my biggest pet peeves is people that are like oh yeah comedy used to be so much better before people got like offended at every single joke um and as someone who considers themselves funny I think that if you have to like do a racist or sexist joke you're You're not not smart you're not smart you're not funny mason and i both know that because we're funny no cap no cap i agree Um, i'm not as funny as either of you but i agree i think you're funny that wasn't fishing for a compliment i swear i was just like i'm here for i bring the laugh (laughs) i'm a big compliment (laughs) i'm a big compliment giver so that's just apologies on the front end no apologies necessary yeah don't be a don't be apologizing. This is an apology-free zone. But yeah, like we we don't apologize and we don't rant. Love it. Um, but yeah, like from I I listen to a couple podcasts that are hosted by uh, people in the LGBTQ community. Keep it Los Culturistas. Can't recommend them enough. So funny. 
and they're just with the culture. And um, I've just been learning a lot from just, you know, hearing their perspectives. And when I, they had um, on Keep It, they had uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara on. Um, and yeah, I just, the reaction they get, it, I've heard from, even in the, the documentary, like, um, sorry, I'm stumbling. No, you're fine. Uh, no, no apologies. <laughs> damn it. See, I'm also bad about that. Um, it's all good. So are we? it was like almost a feeling of okay we're kind of tired of almost like having to relive trauma in every like um lgbtq like love story or something where you know someone dies because of suicide because they weren't able to come out or you know like all the tragic endings or like you said paid or they're just the butt of a joke of something and it's like this super big stereotype um so what from i gathered from the documentary and a lot of people from that community is that it's really like a this is what life could be if we would just stop being so, I don't know. Shitty. Shitty. So. What'd you say, Pate? Did you just call me Dorothy Pate or Pate? I don't remember. You can just I don't me. either. I don't you think you said Dorothy Pate. I think I would have noticed. I think, yeah. Do you call me Dorothy Pate? We can, I don't remember. Yeah, Probably. like, do you in general? I mean, I try not to, but I also feel like... I don't like, care that's a thing. It's like... I, I just also feel like you get weirded out when one of us says Pate. You're like, what? It's <laughs> so. just weird because I'm like living a double life like Hannah Montana. <laughs> You're Hannah Montana. Because like all my high school friends call me Dorothy Pate and then all my college friends call me Pate, obviously. Mm-hmm. So like when my high school friends call me Dorothy Pate, it's normal. But like... I can't imagine weird. a world where I call you Dorothy Pate can't be doing that on the podcast yeah i can't either um i just thought it would be funny because i don't know if our podcasters know that that i'm dorothy pate wow well now i think they do because they're mostly our friends (laughs) another thing i wanted to talk about was just i agree with everything you said mason i think um another just like really key part of representation like in addition to having these positive kind of stories and outcomes is having I think representation of pansexuality and I think through the um into the wine not the label analogy it just like lays it out in a way quotes yes I remember watching it with my parents because I've like rewatched it a little bit with them and I just was like sitting there and I was like I was like y'all need to pay attention (laughs) like this episode I was like you might like if you blink you might miss it but like it's important um and I remember just being like yeah isn't wasn't that brilliant like it was just brilliant it was brilliant writing it uh the guy who plays Ted touched out on the documentary he was like he's like dad I fucking love this yeah one one just like creates a beautiful example of just how to explain like how to come out to somebody in a just then how it how casual it could hopefully be someday but you know I'm pessimistic a lot of the time so yeah but um but yeah no. it's also just funny too well and i just think also too people know well some people don't have any kind of i guess have like no concept of any kind of queer identity but i i think like on a wider scale people know like they can wrap their head around like being gay or lesbian or even being bisexual but i think like pansexual it was just like a brilliant way of like yeah. explaining explaining pansexuality And I just like, am hopeful that like, as we continue to have examples for these identities that like people will like one, like 
accept them more so, but also like realize like, oh, like that could, I, I, maybe I resonate with that. Like maybe that's, that's an identity that actually is mine. And I think that like having those examples will help people to be like more fully themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what to me is so powerful about it. And just like, I don't know, like, it's so helpful to be able to point to elements of pop culture and someone's like, what's pansexuality? And I'm like, watch this clip. Yep. <laughs> and I guess it shouldn't have to be that way, but the reality, right. it, it, the reality, reality of it is we live in a heteronormative, patriarchal, capitalist, like all that bullshit. All those society. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Racist, systemic racism, like all these things. And like, we just have to be doing, like, I think it relates to unlearning. Like we have to unlearn what we deem to be mm-hmm. the normal. So, yeah. It's so awesome. Into the wine. I also, I wanted to say this when we were talking about Johnny Rose. Um, So like that episode where he really wants David to play baseball and he's like, David was so good. And David was like, no, I wasn't. Like that was, I think the closest thing to like a dad wishing like, not necessarily he had like a masculine side, but I feel like any parent wants them to like carry on the hobbies they have. Um, And I just thought that was kind of sweet. Like Patrick kind of like took over that because you could see Patrick like loved baseball and all that stuff. Um, And that was just such a funny like episode. But I appreciated the fact that like Johnny Rose never was like, oh, I wish you were more masculine or oh, I wish you did this. Like, you know, at the end of the day, we all know David's character. He is not going to run around a baseball diamond and like try and catch a ball. Like Mm -hmm. that's just not going to happen. Um, so I think it was more of a, a realization of like the character of David isn't going to do that rather than like, oh, he's gay. He's not going to play right. sports. Yeah. And I, I think that was a cool, like another positive of the way they represented the queer community is that they also displayed that you don't like some, not all gay people are more feminine and some, some are masculine. Like, it's just like, we're all normal people. So yeah why does everyone has their own interests yeah, exactly right <laughs> yeah like i think they did a good job representing that through patrick's interest in baseball and you know david's more into fashion and things like that and it was just also just a cool cool thing to watch you know david and patrick try to care into those a little bit as a sweet you know couple thing y'all i'm like thinking about their proposal it's oh. so it's funny like- and beautiful and all the rings <laughs> the rings i love the ring the whole case case of it i just think it's so funny how like that would literally happen on my like um it would happen to me too i'd be such a brat the whole time and then not realize that that was gonna happen like i'm like i know i'm gonna want like a really nice like proposal and everything's gonna like (laughs) not go right and i'm gonna have to carry my like fiance on my back that would so happen to me but of course because that would happen to david because we're both divas like right. we get what we deserve obviously. exactly wait so i have a question quick cue before we do impressions and the last question to our listeners i found this one article um that is actually a really harsh critique of Shit's creek um and it's through medium so like i feel like you know anyone can write stuff on yeah, medium it's one person's opinion yeah it's it's a very well done article and Definitely. her her opinions and feelings are valid um but i would just i just think it's interesting like some of the points um 
she talks about how white writers have created a non-racist colorblind utopia um, that small towns are like made to be jokes in this TV show, which like so I I hard hardly dis I I I, well, I disagree very much with because I feel like they show that the small town people have as much value as these rich people do probably more value like when more, it comes yeah. to them as people yeah and it talks about like i don't want to go through all the points i yeah. mean if you're curious just google i would recommend Schitt's it Creek, it's like, definitely criticism yeah but i think like the most interesting point is the last the last point she makes is about how um this fun and lighthearted entertainment tv show doesn't like actually try and make this huge stand on something um and how they are perpetuating problematic cultural norms and like mason and i were texting earlier today and like nelly i would love to hear your thoughts on it but we were, i was just talking about how like you know i as i say on every tv show i mean on every podcast episode we're never going to find a perfect tv mm-hmm. show that wraps it all mm-hmm. up perfectly and like what Shit's creek was made for was escapism and like happy queer representation and I don't think it has to check all the boxes per se and like solve like every problem in the world like could it have like made a broader stance on things sure Mm -hmm. um but I don't think that should take away from like the good that it does um I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts I mean Okay, I know that I am, like, often, like, in every episode we've had, probably, I'm, like, extremely critical of things and, like, saying, like, it could do more to improve these communities, like, improve the movements. And, but, like, at at what point are we going to, like, say, like, this is solely for entertainment and it Mm -hmm. still did enough, like, in, 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 and, like, for me, like, you just can't ignore like, like you said, like, Pete, I feel like not everyone is always going to be pleased or happy. It's not going to ever have like a complete stamp of approval for everyone. But I feel like you really can't deny the impact that this has had on representation, especially in being. And like, let's not forget that, like, I don't really think Dan Levy wrote this, like being like, this is going to be a queer, like yeah. he really was shocked with he was like, doing it for the story. Like, yeah. And he was just like, yeah, like David is, is, is queer. Like, that's just like how he is in my mind. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think he was like, this is going, like, this is about the movement it's gonna have some kind of like huge impact but you also can't deny the impact it did have and so for me I'm like okay this is a very well done critique I can understand so I actually would like push back on a lot of the things that Mm -hmm. sorry I'm burping hard kombucha um I would really (laughs) I would really (laughs) push back (laughs) so true bestie um I would definitely push back on like most of the things that she says like I think they're they're just like a little bit too harsh in my opinion um like I do think like the small towns as jokes or punishments like I would recognize that in reality like we as a society view small town America that way and I think Mm -hmm. that this paints a new like put small town America in a new light in a positive light in my opinion I agree yeah it it just doesn't seem like she really watched all the show right and i don't know like i'm not from middle of nowhere 
I don't know, like rural America. Uh, So I guess I can't, I can't speak about what that's like. Um, But I do think as someone that perhaps at one point had that perspective on small town Mm -hmm. America, like I do think it shows, like Mason said, that like the people in the small town make the like make the situation positive or help to make like lift up these people that are having a hardship or at least just bare minimum accept them right also we could just also just hone on the fact that it's a it's a story these people have these character qualities to them they think they're it's a shithole because they've been living in a giant mansion their whole life so of course they're going to call it a hick town and a simple-minded people when they first get there due to their lack of perspective in life yeah yeah and there's this one point she makes it say having a quote-unquote radical gay love plot plot line doesn't make the show humanistic moral or radical i actually think that the show is completely humanistic and i don't think that the plot line is at all radical Mm -hmm. i think it's actually very just normal like it is just like i mean you look at like the obviously the outcomes are very different but you look at david's love story a lot like next to alexis's and they're very similar in like the arcs that they go through and the like just the roller coaster that they go through i don't know i just think that like at what point are we gonna say enough is enough <laughs> kind of yeah i just are we gonna ever really enjoy anything like and, and, maybe yeah. not maybe yeah. not I, know, I wonder I think, what this girl likes to watch. I, I'm I mean, going to go Google her. I think art is the <laughs> perfect canvas. I think she's right in that art. Art is the art and media is the perfect canvas to um, challenge, like bring up these challenging issues and mm-hmm. challenge the viewers. Um, but also like, I don't think you should force. I'm trying, trying to say this the right way without sounding like a white man white straight man. you are you are a white man so own your okay. identity Mason. It's i okay. own it i appreciate Football. your caution Football. though oh god <laughs> um but just like i guess from more from like an art perspective i like i think you know dan levy really treasures the story that he made with his dad and i don't think like you've got to project and make sure he checks every box if that wasn't going to be the point of the story that makes sense i don't know yeah no like i'm like now reading this i'm like doing a deep dive i'm getting it i know me too i'm looking at this girl um like he wrote what he wrote and like i think as a writer and as a creator like it's open to critique but i don't think at times you can't be like well why didn't you write it this way it's like well because that's not how the story was in my craft A a parallel uh, I think of No Name, the rapper, one one of my favorite rappers, Cameron mm-hmm. and I love, and she's like communist, like really into pan-Africanism is just all about like human rights and all this. And she gets shat on Twitter all the time because of her opinions and because she's not going under the traditional routes. And it's just kind of like the same thing of, well, if I just, I just get really, I guess, defensive when I see people I don't know, just like critique the the writing process, which okay, not not in the fact that like obviously I think things should be critiqued, right? Right, and but, certain stuff is like a deal breaker, but right for sure, but not like the content and like the soul that someone puts into the story. Yeah, and when it's, also when it's, when it's like, something that's yeah. so positive, like maybe if it's right. not taking such a huge stance on something. I mean, I'm just reading now. She's saying, "Oh God, we need to wrap up." But I'm just seeing now that. <laughs> 
she says like what would be so wrong with characters embracing and accepting life beyond superficial and aesthetic pleasures and like i argue that they do in the long run the entire show literally (laughs) i'm like ma'am did you watch it like did you just see season one is that all you saw i really am curious what she likes to watch now i'm gonna i'm gonna can we message her be like, what hey, are the what's comments your on this? Show? Invite can... her onto the podcast. Oh my god! Conversation. She, <laughs> she has. Really I mean, smart. anyways. Um, but also, last thing I'll say about this, and then we can move on. Mason, I think your point about um, like queer people off- oftentimes don't have like this happy-go-lucky, like nice, light-hearted TV show to watch because like it's become a trope in media where like gay characters in like a a I don't like saying a straight TV show, but like, do you know what I mean? Like a very oh, like yeah. homo, homo, homogeneous. I don't know. Like a very straight show has like mm-hmm. one gay character for like gay representation yep. and they die to the point where it's now a trope. Like the take my fave, Which um, is fucked up. my fave YouTube account has done like um, a whole video about like gay characters are always the one that, that die. And so like, yeah, like, Gay people deserve to have a comedy. Gay people deserve to have Escapism. a sitcom. Yes. Um, and they also have to deserve- be re-traumatized every time they watch something. Exactly. So, Mason, let's yes. do some impression. <laughs> I can start if you want, and we can just like piggyback off each yeah, other. Just like, oh my God. Improv. That's, oh my God. that's the third time I've said piggyback. I think it's the fourth episode. I think it's oh the fourth. I'm I've got a tally. So right hold now. her accountable. I'm, I'm really the only one I can do really well. I think she, is great Alexis. Alexis. Yeah. With with Twyla, and she's like, I wish y'all could see like my hands, and she goes goes. Make this the I love that journey for you. You're so cute. Oh my gosh. Ew, David. <laughs> So that's yeah. my more, uh, not my more impression. I would pay a hundred dollars to talk like Mara, and also to have her wigs and her outfits. Yeah, her accent is nothing impressive. stopping you. No, I just can't do it. I don't know how you do it, Mason. The babies. The babies. The chase. Well, I, I put my Full favorite Mara quote on here. It's the first thing she says in the show. What she does scream- she say? She screams. She goes. I've been gutted, shot of it, stripped of every muscle of pleasure I earned in this life. <laughs> I've done better before. That wasn't my, my favorite. It's like, I was just getting where's my bug? And then um, <laughs> David, you know, is with the Amish. And he's like, oh, I yeah. texted you like a week ago. A week ago. And then Alexis goes, David, I'm I can sorry be- for not responding to like, like one, one text. text. David. <laughs> I can kind of do it like a upset David. I don't. No, I haven't really worked on it. His face is really well because he speaks with his face. He does. Um, but that's the only one I can do. I can't do anyone else. Uh, I've been working on the Johnny. Uh, I was gonna say I would love to hear a Johnny. Um, uh, no, no, no. Oh God, that's my dad's impression. Oh no, Mason is an impression of my dad. You could also do Pete's dad if you want. I won't. He's just like (laughs) once we stop recording. Um. And that's great. good for you, Alexis. That's wonderful. I love that. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I'm still working on it. Come back to me in like a month and I'll Okay, I'll perfect. Right we'll guys. have you back on. Maybe for the 100th, or not 100th, the year. 
That's so long from now. Me and Cameron. 38, 39, 100. Mason and Cameron can come back for our, our reunion, we're, our one year. We want to do a podcast. Whether Mama we're Mama. serious or not, we don't know. But every time we go on IG Live together, we call it our podcast. <laughs> so that's Cameron that. just loves attention. Okay. If you're I listening, too. I do too. Okay. I do too. I think people who don't admit they like attention are just, they're liars. Something's wrong. Yeah. Final Shall question. We? Yeah. I don't have a good impression, but I'm here to provide the laughs. Y'all were amazing. Okay. Thank good job. you. Oh. We love you. We love oh, you. Thank you, Nelly. <laughs> Ew, David. So <laughs> that was good. You have the little hand pat, right? Why? All right, uh, guys. Yeah. Age old question. We, got, we, we gotta ask. We, we gotta, gotta ask it. Is Schitt's Creek feminist? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it's feminist. I think it has like ways to go in terms of intersectionality and like racial representation. But I do think that, like, especially in terms of queer identity and just, like, general positivity surrounding, like, not actively combating, like, the patriarchy or heteronormativity or systemic systemic racism, but, like, I do think it provides, like, what could be. And, like, I I don't think every show should be like this because I think it could be ignoring like hardships but like we said like I do think that particularly in terms of like shows with queer representation like you oftentimes have hardship depicted and so I think having a just like wholly positive and romantic and funny show yeah I think it is and I think like the particularly the character arc that you see well really have honestly all the characters within um the context of feminism whether they're male or female identifying like I do think that you see a, a positive a positive mm-hmm. overall yeah. um I think there's always room for growth in a tv show but kind of like we were saying earlier like sometimes we gotta just say like this is good enough and for me it does have my stamp of approval so yeah yes I'd say it's feminist as well. And I agree with all your points, especially, you know, obviously I think it could have done more with intersectionality and maybe making the town a little bit more diverse, but you know, I don't know if they're just going for like, well, it's a small town Northeast who who knows wherever it is, but I do think it's feminist because I mean, I think the, the women in the show, they all are like the, the backbones are strong, independent in their own way. Um, and I think I'm, I keep bringing up examples, but Twyla is a hero. You know, she got the lottery and she could be doing all she wants with it. Um, but she's just contributing to her community. And I just, yeah, I, I mean, oh, Dorothy Fate's laughing about something. I said Dorothy. Dorothy Fate. Dorothy Fate. No, I was laughing at myself and I wasn't trying to distract you. I'm sorry. Continue about Twyla. I- uh, I think I said all I needed to say because Nelly kind of knocked it out of the park and she basically had my points so and said it great so go ahead <laughs> thank you that was kind yes just gonna wrap it up reiterate all the points y'all made yes I think Schitt's Creek is feminist you know for what it is it is a 30 minute sitcom about a family Um, but then like within that they add so many like 
complex characters and situations that um, like make it different than any other sitcom we've ever seen. And it also has like queer representation and um, feminine characters who grow into their own and mature. Um, we also have like a strong mother figure, Mora. Like she's crazy, but she is like one of a kind and Johnny like respects her and loves her. Um, we have a great like um, supportive father who like supports his kids and wife no matter what. And so I think it's like, overall it's like the perfect sense of escapism and like lighthearted comedy we need while also like it does make social change I would say like mm -hmm. like I was talking about when Patrick's parents came and like their response was like shocking to me and it's sad that that was shocking because that's how it should right. be like like parents should love their kids and kids shouldn't have to be afraid that their like families are going to abandon them because of who they love um and then I think also like the fact that the wedding of David and Patrick, like so many people were watching Shit's Creek at that time by the sixth season. Um, like I'm sure that like had a lot of impact on like older generations. Cause I know some of my dad's friends who are like super, you know, Fox News conservative people, they watch Shit's Creek. And then I know I'm sure there are like, like people that are younger than us watching Schitt's Creek and like being able to witness this for the first time and not having to see like the tragedy of gay characters like we've had to see in like other forms of media. So while it's lighthearted, while it's escapism and while it's not perfect, I think for what it is, it's feminist and it's a great show. One thing I meant to add in my, in my answer to the question was that, I mean, the fact that it like so tramples toxic masculinity in itself I think is just another point as to why it's feminist yeah totally heck yeah heck yeah we love you Ted oh, shout out Ted god oh their breakup scene like it was you, so good but Peyton, like have you sad watched the, have you watched the documentary yes okay everybody crying at it it's far oh yeah it's far, like dude. the fact that like the the people filming the breakup scene were crying. Like, I mean, you know, you wrote something good when that happens. Yeah. Also, and like how they were all crying on the last day. Like, I know everyone cries on their last day, but show choir. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Also, <laughs> the fact that y'all are show choir partners, cute. That's I've seen. Like, that means that I've seen a picture of Mason then. That's like because I've seen your you. show choir pics. Because I at first was paired with this guy that was my height and mason was paired with this girl that weighs 80 pounds no cast threw her in the ceiling no cap one and so like the the guy that was my partner could hardly lift me up because we're the same height and then mason was throwing this girl in the air because she is a a stick and so the dance captains were like switch. um mason switch and I don't think will so, honey switch so then, so then it was like more of an equal lift because we were being lifted. Um, and then I just was like, I like your Young the Giant shirt. And then the rest is history. <laughs> it was so high. It was so high school. Like nothing like flirting in show choir. Okay. Um, also, like spoiler, we might be talking about show choir next week on the pod. Oh right, my Kate? god! Wait, who's gonna be the guest? It's one of our Swami friends. Oh. That's a I just was like thinking, ooh, this is a nice little foreshadowing. Okay, but like our show choir is nothing like their show choir. Oh, okay. So we can hear more about it. how we're better than them and yeah. We're <laughs> way better than them. 
Right. We also well, don't have a pedophile we'll, for a teacher. Do you want to go? Oh. I'm sorry. Don't talk about him. T. Okay. Um, okay. Do we want to go into action items? Yes. Mason, you could be um you could be a host. Our third host. I would love to be a host. Oh my god. Sorry, Quinn. You're replaced. I was a host for the talent show. Oh yeah. Once oh. upon a time. Flex. Dorothy <laughs> Pate wrote for it. I was the I, producer. But- I right? like right. I was the creator of the talent show. I was SGA exactly. vice president, and I made the Last talent show. Ran that show, and we were like, "Who should be the MC? Who's like funny and charming and loves attention?" Mason, obviously. I'm an attention whore. Mason, have you brought us an action item for this week? Yes, I was looking into some uh, organizations that support LGBTQ youth. Um, this one's called the Trevor Project, um, and they offer accredited life-saving, life-affirming programs and services to LGBTQ youth that create safe, accepting, and inclusive environments over the phone, online, and through text. Um, So it was created after this short film was made based off of a one-man show um, about a person. And I I didn't really go learn much about the film, but I wanted to check it out. Um, But basically, the person was like, wait, there's not really many resources right now for youth to... um, just be safe and it was like it was like before there's really any kind of suicide hotlines or anything like that Mm -hmm. so they offer a bunch of different things they have community resources for uh, lgbtq youth to uh, like make friends throughout the country Um, it's also for the friends and allies there's volunteer groups Um, and then there's also you know there's there's hotlines if someone's uh, feeling in trouble and uh, needs that there's suicide prevention training for like schools and also education workshops on about you know how to create a more healthy society when it comes to um, the LGBTQ community. Thanks so for check them out. Awesome yeah. organization. Yeah, I love the Trevor Project. So I'm glad that you spotlighted them. Well, hadn't heard of it. So yeah, it's a good learning game. every day. Yeah. Do well. I guess before we close out with a quote maybe we um mason if there's anything that you want to plug we want to leave space for that yeah sure um on our big big platform on our big platform yeah so i mean pate mentioned that i'm in a band called headcase um they're all my best friends and we've made a record together and it's coming out soon so be on the lookout all our handles are headcase the band and then i've also actually recorded some of my own music under the name junonia which is based off a shell that i like and it's a cool name and i liked it but i just recorded so be on the lookout for that i uh instagram's junonia underscore music so bang i think that's all i got out yet no it's not out yet but like i just recorded like a month ago um that's awesome i'm excited to listen thank you um other than that i don't really have anything to plug then go go watch the show uh go check out the trevor project and uh continue make sure you subscribe and follow to feminist fiends and quarantine queens so that's all i got this really is our third host really should be (laughs) it's half the time we forget to say that (laughs) we need mason Mason, you've been such a great um, guest. So much fun. 
Um, we've been talking about Schitt's Creek for a while, wanting to do it. And it just made sense to have you come on because I know how much you've been, you enjoyed it recently. I know you and Kelly, uh, shout out Kelly again, have been watching it. Um, and so, yeah, I couldn't think of anyone better to come on the pod. Thank you so much. This was such a blast and I love, I love the pod. So keep it up. Thanks, Thank bestie. Thanks, bestie. <laughs> Thanks, bestie. <laughs> now Nellie has met two of my besties. That's my, amazing. Of your besties. besties. Many more to come. So do we want to close out with a quote? Yes. Mason, do you have a fave that you want to share uh, with us? With the I pod? I accidentally exited out from the document. Wait, oh, no. there it is. There it is. We're all good folks. Everybody do you want to do the wine calm. one? Yeah. Which I one? Did. I do you want me to be Stevie? Are you guys gonna act it out? We can we could do that, I guess. Yeah. Okay. 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 I'll be the I'll be watching Shit's Creek. I'll be the audience. So just to be clear, I'm a red wine drinker. That's fine. Okay, cool. I only drink red wine. And up until last night, I was under the impression that you too only drink red wine. But I guess I was wrong. I see where you're going with this. Um, I do drink red wine, but I also drink white wine. And I've been known to sample the occasional rosé. And a couple summers back, I tried a Merlot that used to be a Chardonnay, which got a bit complicated. Oh, so you're just really open to all wines. I like the wine and not the label. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Scene. Oh my gosh, that was so good. Me and, atti- me and Mason are such attention whores. Yeah, we're it. also um, Enneagram 4 and we're blonde and funny. So You're an Enneagram we- 4, Mason? I am. What's Nobody your weight? makes sense. Uh, I think 3. I think okay. 3. I'm also a wing 3, but I am a 2. One time um, in high school, one of our friend's moms asked if we were cousins. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry. Hey, do you want to take us home? Yeah. Take Queen. me home tonight. All right, guys, this has been Feminist Fiends and Quarantine Queens. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Mason. Thank you, guys. Y'all. Thanks, (laughs) y'all.